everyone, and welcome to a brand new episode of The Wrap right here on the Fiking Media Network. Happy Monday to you all as we begin a brand new week in WWE, a fresh reset, so to speak, post-SummerSlam as we get ready for a clash at the castle going down in September from Caught Off Wells. But before then, let's take a deep dive into last week's WWE television via this very show. I'm Keela Cash, and by my side, as always, is my co-captain, my right-hand man, the sometimes advocate for Von Wagner, and dare I say, it might be a good week to be the advocate for one Vaughn Wagner. And I bring to you, as always, Salty Scott Young. Welcome back, Salty. Thank you, Keela. It's always a pleasure to chop it up and talk all things WWE with you. Um, you know, there's there seems to be a, a bit of a shift in the landscape of, res- of wrestling, you know, not only in WWE, but in the world, just with some of the roster changes. And um, I'm very excited to talk about some of those things today. And I'm looking forward to bashing some of those things. And I'm looking forward to some some people that I you know some people that I'm a fan of getting some rare praise on this show. Yes, I think I offered a hint earlier as to who this praise could go to. It's rare that we praise this person. He would get love today on this show, and it really goes into the hard reset of WWE creative Triple H is now in charge, and we are starting to see the vision of what he has for Raw, SmackDown, and to an extension NXT as well. And the changes have not been perfect, but I am encouraged by why by by what I'm seeing from a booking standpoint over the last couple of weeks. So. I'm I'm a bit of a mixed bag with this whole thing because, you know, part of me is I the book. You're right. The booking is is going to be better. The booking is going to be more coherent. The booking is going to be um, more streamlined. You're just going to have a more solid story going forward. Where I I kind of differ is the people that are going to be kind of the head of this vision. I don't know, man. You know, I don't know if I need a recreation. And I've said this before. I've said this. I don't know if I need a recreation of what we've had. You know, I, I'm i hoping this is going to be more of a, a blend of the two, which is what I think is the best thing going forward. But I do worry if we're in for kind of a retread of the past, you know, a kind of a, a greatest hits to see which ones stick and which ones don't. And I completely understand your worry. I kind of feel the same way as well. And I go back to 2019 when we had the NXT invasion on the main roster. And I love that perfect blend of what the main roster could be when all those ideas are together. I think I am going to be a little bit more optimistic because... We have seen what Vince has done to the main roster when it comes to NXT call-ups, and a lot of them have failed, and they failed within weeks, and I don't blame the talent for that necessarily. So I think this is a shot not only for Paul Levesque, but for the people that are being called back to be in a prominent role in WWE to show why you deserve this spot. And we're going to get to one person in particular very soon, because I always go back to a particular promo last summer when this guy got cooked on the mic by Adam Cole and he never recovered and granted he was stuck with a dumb gladiator mask and gladiator gear that wasn't him lost his girl along the way but he's got to be more than Scarlett 
talking about Karen Cross, spoiler alert, you got to be more than the entrance, more than the woman that you're with. You got to bring more of who you really are. And that's a test for him. And that's a test of Paul Levesque to say, you know, there, there was a reason why NXT was blown up last summer. There's a reason why we have 2.0 right now, because what we had were black and gold plateaued. I say that all the time. It should have been a reset two years earlier, but we got it very hard and ready and unfortunately a bit abrupt last September. But I do think that this is a chance for a lot of people to step up, to redeem themselves, but it's got, it's got to go hand in hand. Paul's got to be there at the book and the talent's got to be able to deliver on the mic and especially in the ring to really stand out in a good way. Yeah, I, I agree with all that. And I think this is these next couple months and kind of these guys and girls that are going to get more of the limelight. I think this is going to be very telling for some of the talent and some of the free agents out there that were, you know, thinking, yeah, I'm not going back there anytime soon. They might be kind of rethinking things like, Hey, I had pretty good success under that guy. Um, you know, I know Adam Cole is locked in for a long time, but you brought him up. Let me tell you, I have full. I would have no doubt in my mind if Undisputed Era was still on the roster with Triple H in control, that would be the big feud for Roman Reigns and the Bloodline going forward. And people would get very excited about it. But I, I think that is kind of that could be the thought process for a lot of the some of the talent out there, you know, signed and unsigned. Kind of like, you know, things things could be a lot better over there right now. Yeah, I think about Adam Cole. I think about Malachi Black. I think about Andrade. I know they couldn't wait, but some people waited. Like Karrion Cross, they got a shot. I think about Bronson Reed. He's not tied. He's not tied down to a New Japan contract right now, so he might be getting a phone call as well. I think about Keith Lee. I think about Swerve, and I cannot ever forget about firing the entire Hit Row crew. I will always be pissed about that, but I am encouraged by people that are down at NXT, says Legato, the Phantasma, that might have a shot now that you did not have, what, six months ago. I think about Ilya Dragunov on NXT UK. You got a shot now on the main roster versus what you could have had with Vincent in charge, which was honestly no shot in all reality. Yeah, it's... Uh... I, I I am I think that's a that could take up an entire conversation you know and I think it is something that we should touch on going forward uh, in one of our future episodes is kind of who are the guys and girls that are going to benefit the most from Triple H kind of taking the reins and vice versa who are the guys and girls that are you know going to kind of take that dip and take that hit going forward like a Lacey Evans for example who are going to be those people that we're not going to see as prominently. And let's not forget, Mr. Money in the Bank has disappeared off the face of the planet. He was not on Raw. He was not on SmackDown. All the time he was getting before Vince got canned, he has not been that preeminent figure that was driving storyline. And I don't know if it's Byers or Morris, because I know that he might not be the guy that Triple H would want to have that briefcase. He might want to out for that eventually. But it's telling that a guy that got, what, maybe 55% of TV time prior to Vince's departure, and in the last week or two, you've been seeing maybe one segment, maybe two, and getting beat down every step of the way. That's a telling sign in terms of booking for theory as well. Well, last week, I think he missed because he's uh, pretty sure his uncle passed is what I read one of the reports. But before that, like you said, I mean, like one segment, two, you know, I still think Triple H is high on theory. You know, I I, I still think theory is is a guy that Triple H is going to want to work on and work with, Um, you know. 
does he have the rocket that he that he might have had with Vince McMahon? Maybe not, but I I still think Theory is a guy that's going to be in the mix. And now that he's already kind of in the mix, I don't see Triple H tampering with me. In my opinion, I don't see him tampering with Theory too too much. But I could be wrong about that. We'll see how it goes. We take a dive into last Monday's Raw going down live from Houston, Texas. The crowd got red like they were at the Cajun Dome a few years ago. The infamous quiet crowd that got a good show but didn't care. But I thought this show, for what it was, was solid. We got some great matches up and down the show. First hour was commercial free. And I want to dive into what you thought about the new and improved Monday Night Raw with more emphasis on in-ring action and less on bullshit 24-7 nonsense regarding that championship that also has disappeared off the face of the earth as of late as well i thought the show actually kind of flew by you know and i i know it's not it's not the the best show you're gonna watch all week or anything like that but raw was really good i, I thought raw was a good show and it it was an easy watch nothing you know nothing stood out as like just wow why why in the world would it well at least not yet you know when i start when we start talking about stuff keila you get me thinking like oh maybe they shouldn't have did that but I thought Raw was a very easy watch. The first hour, you know, people are going to complain about the, the the recaps and video packages, but that's I think that's what you do after a big event like that. So I thought the first hour was really good. I thought the matches they laid out, the stories, the threads that they put throughout the show, that's something that I thought has kind of been missing from Raw for a while is the storyline threads throughout the show. You know, the little breadcrumbs you get at the beginning of the show that finally pay off for the big monster or the big payoff at the end. You know, that's something that's kind of been missed. And I I thought we got that with this Raw. Even if it was just from hour one to hour two, we got payoffs from things that were laid out at the beginning. So I, I thought it was a very easy watch. I thought so as well. I like the breadcrumbs we got in a couple of storylines that now we get to see things really come into play regarding possible breakups and returns down the road. And we set the tone with two triple threat matches to see who would be the number one contender for Bobby Lashley's United States Championship. We got a great video package by JBL chronicling the history of this title and adding prestige to a secondary belt for the first time since forever. And I thought the best triple threat match of the night was AJ Styles versus The Miz versus Mustafa Ali and all three guys, they work their asses off. Ali put on a show with that DDT on the floor to AJ Styles. Hits a 450 on the Miz. Then AJ lifts him up for the Styles clash. I thought that finish was so smooth. And I have to give credit to the Miz. He sold the ribs beautifully after he got splashed through that announce table by noted Rookie of the Year candidate Logan Paul. And I just thought that all three men did a nice job setting the tone for the in-ring action on Monday Night Raw. Yeah, I agree with you. I I thought four star Miz did a really good job again. You know, he came he came through, delivered, did what he does best. You know, uh, oh, are you laughing? Go go check the hey, it's in the books. It's in the Uncle Dave has put it in the books. He is four star Miz, baby. Uh, him and Logan Paul got four stars. I, I I think that legit might be one of Miz's best matches he's ever had. But that's not that's nothing here or there. Um, no, I, I agree with you. I thought the match was really good. Everybody got some time to shine. I thought, and like you said, the Miz did a good job selling those rips, and it played into the finish. Um, you know, he hit the bit. Ali hit the big splash. Again, that's another guy who got a little bit more shine, you know, than would normally get. He wouldn't he wouldn't have been in that match a week ago. You know, we wouldn't first of all, we wouldn't have gotten two good length triple threat matches to lead to another good length match. Like that wouldn't have happened. So 
those are some of the changes that we're seeing. This was a good match. I, I think I prefer the other one a little bit better. This one was, you know, the Miz is still the Miz. He he's, he's going to slow things down a little bit. And when he's in there, and there's a reason he was in there with Ali and with AJ Styles. And, you know, I'm a Miz guy, but this was the right matchup right here. Uh, AJ was the right guy to go over. Goes into the story. I would have had AJ, um, and maybe he did. I can't remember. Did AJ, AJ pin Ali, right? He didn't pin Miz. Yeah, he pinned Ali. See, I would have had AJ pin Miz, again, leads right into the store because of who won the next triple threat. But that's just a little thing. Good start to the show. Yes, I like the second match as well, but it, I thought it lacked heat. And I go back to the characterization of all three men. Champa's a heel right now. Dolph Ziggler is a quasi face. We still know why he's going after Theory most weeks, but he's a great wrestler. And Chad Gable, one of the most underrated stars in the game today. They had a really good match, but it just lacked that heat because who are the fans supposed to cheer for? You got two heels and a quasi face and Dolph Ziggler. It's kind of hard to connect the tissue there. But I thought the work rate was great and Ciampa wins. And I kept saying for months on the show, what is Ciampa's purpose on this particular program? And even though he is proud to admit that he is a Miz clout chaser, I want people to check out the Raw Talk segments that go down every Monday on Peacock. And you check out the dot-com version on maybe YouTube, for example. If you pay attention to his promos, he sells it. He sells the passion for why he wants his championship, why he aligns with The Miz. I wish all of that was on TV so people can see it and maybe connect with him a bit more. But I see what they're trying to do. And I can understand the partnership a bit more than I did maybe three weeks ago. Yeah, I I think the end game in this partnership is for Champa to for Miz to kind of fall into the back burner a little bit and Champa to really get the spotlight. You know, Miz is a very good cheerleader on the outside. Like Miz is going if the Miz wants, you know, if he decides he doesn't want to do reality TV the rest of his life, which he could do that too. If he wants, he could be a great manager for somebody. And Champa doesn't need anybody to talk for him, but just a heel Champa with the Miz on the outside causing problems, I, I think there's a lot of magic with that because when the when the uh, Miz eventually turns on Champa and turns on Babyface and we get that fiery promo like you wanted the Blackheart, you know you 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 got him now, Miz. You got you got this problem. That's going to be when the fans really start to rob, like can really easily rally behind him. So I think there's a lot of possibilities you could do with Miz and Champa as a pairing and. I'm with you. I've been watching those backstage segments because Champa's been cutting hella good promos back there. And again, the facial expressions on not not only Champa, but the Miz too. Like some of these facials he's giving as Champa's cutting these promos. And Miz is like selling the passion. You can see Miz like, wow. Like he he like this is this is him. Like this is it. And you can tell he's He's happy for like there's there's kind of an exuberance for him. And I think that's going to play into the story of look at all the success I've given Champa that I've done for Champa and Champa's selling it too. like, OK, whatever. I, I, I need I, I need you just like you need me right now. So I I think there's a lot of possibilities with this story. 
It reminds me a lot of the OG NXT season one when the joke was Miz, the season vet, is going to be the mentor to rookie Daniel Bryan. And everybody was like, what the hell? Shouldn't it be the other way around? But in this case, I like the dynamic based on what I'm seeing behind the scenes and that you see Miz being the proud mentor, being the proud papa, so to speak, to Ciampa that is cutting these promos. And he's like, damn, he really saying what he needs to say to get his point across to be a star. And I love that dynamic, but let's not forget Monday Night Raw is going down in a certain city of Cleveland, Ohio. And I'm not talking about LBJ, LeBron being from there. I'm talking about a certain Johnny Wrestling that could be in the house in the event Ciampa wins or loses a shot at the U.S. title and Miz's reaction to that. So do you predict any DIY reunion that would fit in the scenario tomorrow night or tonight since we're recording right now? Man, let me tell you, if no, I don't. If if Miz had another heavy somebody else ready to go, then yes, I, I think that would be a great way to debut him. The tag division kind of needs a little bit of a boost. Because I Champa's not beating Lashley. Let's let's just let's get that out the way. Champa's not beating Lashley. I think that would be asinine to have Lashley lose a title to anybody right now that's that you don't have big plans for. So, I, you know, I, I don't think that's going to happen until we get Miz with somebody else in the group or somebody, you know, maybe Champa starts losing some matches and Miz is like, you know, maybe I need to start hitching my horse to somebody else. You know, Miz is a 20-year veteran, so that's something that they can play into the story. Like, you know, Miz is slowing down a little bit. When's the last time he won a singles title? Um, I know it's been a, it's been a couple years at this point he won that, but that was a, a fluke money in the bank win. Nobody saw it, you know, and it was for one week. When is when is the Miz had a red title win? You could There's a lot you could do with that story. Miz brings in a heavy. I think a heavy that would fit really good. He doesn't have to do any talking. He could just stand there and look weird and intimidating. Big baby Von Wagner, man. <laughs> hey, I'm telling you. And look, now we know he can at least put on a decent match every now and then. I think he would be a great heavy in the background for a guy like The Miz to just stand back there and just look weird. He don't have to. God don't ever give him the mic and speak. <laughs> But he can. But him just standing back there—that's a good look. That's when Miz is at his best, when he has all these minions just running around for him, because he's just—he's out of his mind, and he thinks he's this big-time celebrity when he's not. But he needs those people around him to feed that ego. That's when he's at his best, and I think that's when you'd be able to get the most out of it. So bring that heavy in, and then you can bring Johnny Gargano in. And think about his partnership with Alex Riley. Think think about the partnership with Miz. No, I don't think it will happen, but I think there are ways. For it Morrison, you think about Ciampa and now possibly Von Wagner being the next guy up and we'll get to Vonnie later, but I love the idea that Miz is slowing down a bit and he hasn't won the big one lately and you need a heavy or two to get you along the road and I dig that storyline. That's a perfect transition to where Miz should be as a character right now because he can be a great annoyance when need be to get the proper heat on someone. Yeah, and and we we've seen that, and there is a reason. Like it's it's not a, a coincidence or random that he's the one being selected to have these matches and bills with Bad Bunny with Logan Paul. It's not a coincidence he's trusted to have a one on one singles match with Logan Paul. 
you know, and he, nobody's going to sit here and tell you, and I'm, I'm, I'm the biggest Miz fan you'll find. I'm not going to sit here and tell you Miz is a five-star general because he's not, but there's a reason he's trusted with this because he can do the little things that get these reactions. He doesn't have to do any crazy moves. He can let them, he can let Logan Paul do all that athletic crazy stuff. All Miz has to do is look like that smug, arrogant prick he is in the ring and make people want to see the piss get slapped out of him. Who else can get Logan Paul cheered? Like, there's not a lot of people doing that, man. And that's what the Miz's purpose is in wrestling. Like, that's his purpose in WWE and why he's kept that job and been so successful for as long as he has. The man performed a miracle because I thought Logan Paul had no shot as a baby face. And look at Monday Night Raw. He cuts a selfie promo on location and he's cheered. The Miz's power give him a raise. And I don't praise this man often, maybe three times a year now, because Scott tells me to. But, <laughs> you know, I have to give the devil his due. He knows how to get people over when it counts most. And I want to offer a side note, the Chompa did face AJ Styles for that shot at Bobby Lashley's United States Championship towards the end of the show. Very good match. Love the action. Something we wanted to see weeks ago and it got like five minutes, which is embarrassing, but we got more time. It was a fully fleshed out match. I love the tease of Miz trying to help Ciampa win via count out. AJ shakes him off, but then he runs to a knee by Ciampa and the fairy tale ending to score the win. And Monday night should be very interesting with Ciampa versus Lashley for the U.S. title and to see how they're going to put this match together with more freedom to call things in the ring and to take a bit more risks as well in terms of putting this match together. Well, and, and there's a story there too, because let's remember, again, there's a reason The Miz is there. Bobby Lashley is who The Miz beat for his first WWE title. And there's a reason they had Miz, give, Miz be the guy for Lashley to beat because they knew the reaction that Lashley would get. They knew that he would just be universally praised. So why not have a guy that everyone universally hates? It's... There's there's a purpose for everybody, and the story is there. Miz, I mean, Miz should be especially fired up if they if they're smart about this. They can tell the story of Miz, especially like you know, hey, you know, we we got history with it. I have history with this guy, and if I have history with him, you have history with him. I want him to lose just as bad as you do. He took my title. I want him to lose that title, and I want it to be you. I want it to be the guy that I'm mentoring, like. There's a story there. There's and you can still play it up as Miz being this arrogant guy saying the guy that I'm training is the guy that beats Bobby Lashley. Like there's a story there. I just I hope they tell it because that's the story to tell when it comes to Champa and Lashley to add that intrigue. And I'm glad they played into Miz out there helping Champa beat AJ Styles being a heel, holding him on the outside, because that's what Miz can do, and he can do it well. He sells facials well. He can take bumps on the outside. I think there's a lot of potential with Champa and Miz going forward. It won't happen here as far as him getting a title, but there's a lot of potential with these two. Yes, look at long-form storytelling on display under the Triple H administration. You got to love it. As we quickly talk about Montez Ford versus Seth Rollins. And, you know, if you want to justify the breakup of the Street Profits, here's a way to do it. Over rock, paper, scissors. When Montez basically says, I'm not doing this shit, beats him by running down the ramp to face Seth Rollins. I thought it was a very good match. I thought Montez did a great job selling the ribs appropriately. Something that he didn't have to, that something he didn't have to do at SummerSlam because it was kind of dumb when you think about it. But in this case... He gets the link shotted into the ropes by Rollins, sells the 
ribs and he's selling the inability to breathe properly but he fights back with some blockbusters he fights back with the dive and he's just really showing off his athleticism but ultimately Rollins does drop him with the curb stomp for the win and after the match is over Rollins goes to attack him again until Dawkins makes a save but I do sense here's the turning point with this partnership we always wonder like you've run out of title shots now what can you do to stay relevant and I do sense that Montez Ford is getting a bit more aggressive with his opportunities as a single star and Dawkins now feels some kind of resentment and when this thing blows up you can kind of see it coming and it will make sense a bit more versus him breaking up and somebody turning for no reason you're planting seeds as to why Angelo might feel a certain way about Montez when it's all said and done. So real quick, couple couple things. I got a question. Um, these two's wives have been beefing for a year. I mean, blood feud for a year. And the time that they decide to have their match and, you know, have their little duke it out on the mic is is when they their wives decide to make up and become besties and form a tag team. Now all of a sudden the husbands got beef and they want to have a match. It, it, like what? <laughs> what? This is this is when I throw my hands up and say why? Why would this match happen? Why wouldn't you have him face Angelo Dawkins right here? Like why is Montez taking losses? Like the singles Montez should not be taking losses unless unless they're going to tell kind of a reverse story. You know, everybody's talking about the potential of Montez Ford and what he could be as a single star. What if the story is Angelo Dawkins is the one who's winning the singles matches? You know, what if Angelo Dawkins goes out there and wins three or four singles matches and Montez goes out there and loses three or four singles matches? That's an interesting shift on the on the whole thing because all it will take is a big win for Montez and he's, you know, everybody's right back on the on the boat, but with the story and Angelo, that's a good way to build him up. So that way when it happens and Montez does kind of get that rocket strap, Angelo's got a little built-in credibility as well. So again, I'm curious to see how these stories are going to be told because they don't have to break up either. You can tell the story of, hey, we've we've done the tag team thing. We I think we've kind of we've hit our peak right now. You know, we, we can't get over that burden. I want to do my own thing for a little bit. You know, you can tell that story without them having to break up and beat each other down on the way out. You know, this doesn't have to be triple H turning on, on Shawn Michaels, you know, his first night back from on his return. This don't have to be that. This could just be two guys going their separate ways. And I, I, there are ways you can do this without them breaking up one of their few great tag teams. Well, I don't know if it's going to be a clean exit. It's WWE. The only tag team that remains intact for nearly 10 years is the New Day. And otherwise, I have no faith in teams staying together despite their love and respect for each other. I do sense tension coming. I love your idea of maybe it's Dawkins who goes on a run, who gets on a streak, and Montez is the one trying to catch up. I love that. But we know how it goes in WWE. Tag teams are going to die. They're going to be buried. They're going to break up. And somebody's going to be the Janetti. But I'm going to tell you right now, Dawkins is no Janetti. He is a guy that Mm -hmm. can get over on his own. You see how how he's improved in the ring. He can talk. He can get himself over as a guy that can be over as a babyface or a heel. So I'm fine with it. I just want both guys to be successful as single stars and see where we go from there if i get a diy breakup of both guys thriving i'll be good with it 
I'm with you on that. And that's a circumstance where both guys went on to become main event guys. You know, and I'm not saying that Angelo or or Montez, it's not even a guarantee that Montez becomes a main event guy. You know, again, he has all the tools, but everything I've seen out of Angelo Dawkins, he got all the tools too. He can cut the promo just like just like Montez can. You know, he's shown, in, especially his opportunities, that he can he can do everything in the ring. He can fly. He can move. He's always solid in the ring. So I hope nobody gets lost in the shuffle either. And if somebody is going to get lost in the shuffle, just don't break them up. They can be singles guys without being broke up. Let's hope the WWE can break break that trope in due time as we move on to. My favorite match from Monday Night Raw involving Bianca Belair versus the debuting EO Sky on the main roster. How good it is to say that on the main roster at long last. I love this match. I thought it was so good. Bianca Belair, every time I see her, she does something new. Let me do some deadlifting follow-away slams and a release superplex from the top rope into a moonsault. My God. God, I was impressed by her and EO Sky, the flying around per the usual, the moonsault on the outside, the double knees in the corner, that top rope piranha. I thought the action was so great. And you teased it on the show when we did our SummerSlam review, a seasoned Bianca Belair versus EO Sky is going to cook. And it did on Monday night. I was not a big fan of the DQ finish, but you don't want you don't want either lady losing on this night, especially EO on her first night on the main roster and Bianca Belair as the Raw Women's Champion. For what they did for nearly 20 minutes, I thought it was great. And I want more eventually from these two down the road. Yeah, this was this was just a fantastic match. Um, Bianca Belair, you know, for my money, she's the top you know, she's the top female wrestler on American soil. I don't think there's any doubt about it. I know there's a lot of women in stardom and I won't be ignorant and and say that because I haven't watched them. But as far as American soil goes, (laughs) there's nobody that's touching Bianca Belair right now. And her in ring work is, I mean, she, she is improving every time she's pulling something out new. Every time she can do everything in the ring. Like, her and Montez, man, like that's got to be arguably the most athletic couple of all time in wrestling. I can't. I mean, good lord, the athleticism in that in that gene pool. Uh, whenever they decide to, to bless the world with their child, it is going to be. Imagine, imagine somebody with the abilities of Tiger Woods, Serena Williams, all put in, all put together into one with the ferocity of a Mike Tyson. That's what they kid going to be like. Good lord Almighty, they better Triple H better sign him. In the womb. He better get Bianca to sign him, him or her, in the womb. They need to go ahead and put that name on it. When you turn it, like Nick Khan did for old boy, he need to do that in the womb. 18, you mind. <laughs> so, but in all seriousness, though, I, you know, Bianca Belair, I, I am enamored with her. Every, just the more I see her, and she's one of the few baby faces who throughout all of the the BS that she's been through with some of the clunky stories, um, but in some of the big moments as well, because she's gotten a lot. She's been given a lot. She's beaten the four horsewomen at WrestleMania. She's, you know, won a Royal Rumble, back-to-back big Mania main events, and the fans haven't turned on her yet. You've seen sprinklings of it here and there, but they haven't turned on her yet. And I'm... I'm so happy and impressed by that. And that's all because of Bianca. That's all because of 
just her personality, how good she is, how like how she continues to improve and get better. I I love everything about an EO Sky. Her from her entrance to just every her how small she is, she brings such a physicality to her matches. And I love that about her. And I know people are going to get upset about the DQ, but this is these are the moments where bastardizing the DQ finish hurts because a DQ works here. Like it fits the story that you why you don't want to beat EO Sky. That's somebody who you build up later down the road to be a top contender. And you it, Bianca Belair shouldn't be losing to nobody. Nobody. So I, there are moments where it works. It worked here. Great match. We will get a finish down the road. I would love a story where Bailey doesn't challenge for the title right away. Why not have EO Sky challenge for the title first? Then have Dakota Dakota Kai challenge for the title first. Then you can have Bailey challenge for that's three that's three PLEs worth of pay per view quality challengers who Bianca Belair can go have killer pay per view killer matches with. So again, there are stories to be told. I just hope Triple H tells them. Yes, we got a little faction action going on with Bailey, Io Sky, and Dakota Kai. And now we got Bianca Belair working with Asuka and Alexa Bliss in the place of Becky Lynch, who cut a great babyface promo at the top of Monday Night Raw to establish Bianca and Becky as besties. They were holding hands while hugging. It's all love here. And as you mentioned earlier, Montez and Seth, the husbands, are beefing for reasons months after it should have happened beforehand. But we digress in all of that. But I'm glad that Alexa's in a spot of prominence once again to be a part of something cool and different and most importantly fresh matchups and above all else fresh tag teams for the dare I say the women's tag team championship tournament going down on Monday Night Raw and we'll see who are in the tournament and uh, who's returning very soon because I know I've seen some people at a convention this past weekend looking real good and somebody's got a new Technicolor wig and I am digging it. Yeah, I, you know, I, I'm kind of bullish on these tag titles, partly because, I, one, I do not need... Hey, listen, Triple H is going to piss me off if he puts Asuka in a tag team with Alexa Bliss. <laughs> I'm going to go ahead and tell you right now, if he sticks Asuka in a tag team with Alexa Bliss, he's going to piss me off. Like, he knows better. He's ha- He knows what to do with Asuka. He, he did it. We're going to get to Shayna. He did it with Shayna. He knows what to do with Oscar. Don't don't do that, dude. You you put her with like Nikki Ash again. You go reunite them, and then you free Dewdrop up to let go and let Dewdrop be great. You go let Dewdrop be great, okay? <laughs> you let her be Piper first of all. We bring back Piper, and we let her be great, okay? Like. I, all right, let me knock it up. You know, I know I'm salty, Scott, man, but I was feeling kind of, I was almost perky when I came on the show, but I was like, man, let me not get perky before I have to flip-flop. So I'm glad I wasn't perky when I started because Lord knows I'm salty now. I'm so sorry. I like how you kind of read Triple A signal. This is what I want and how I want it. I want it this way, that way. I don't want this. I want that specifically. So if we're good, we're good. Okay. And he clarified that to let us know. Do drop, push, Piper Nevin, bring her back. Nikki, reunite with Alexa. Oscar, be a badass by yourself. And then bring back the real tag team champions and we're good to go. And he said, and check. That's it. I just, listen, I don't ask for a lot. I just need a name change. Let's bring the, you know, let, let do drop ever name back of Piper. I'm not asking for a lot, you know, <laughs> free her up from Nikki, get her away from Nikki. She doesn't need Nikki. And let's, let's just make sure Oscar is not stuck in a tag team. I don't feel like I'm asking a lot. 
And and all I want really is when this is over, we know the real champs are going to show up and they're going to say, okay, and what? So I have no problem with EO Sky and Dakota Kai versus Naomi and Sasha Banks mm, and Cardiff Wells. Give me that. And we're good. I'd be so happy. No, I, th- I think that's a, that's a great matchup. And, uh, you know, you have to expect them to, you know, show up at the top of the show one, you know, the open a show one day uh, because they have to be in the tournament. You can't have them show up after the tournament's crown new champions and challenge them. That's not that's not going to work. That's not they need to show up and be go back to being the champs unless they're going to walk back in with the belts they supposedly walked out with. You know, you can, unless we're going to have that moment where they, they have the bit, you know, you remember when CM Punk came back and him and John Cena were having their pissing contest to see who could hold their belt up higher and they kept yes. going up a little bit more and a little bit more and a little bit more. And a li- they're going to do that. Like, if they're going to do that, I, okay, you know, if they want to have a, a reaching contest to see who's the tallest, we can do that, I guess. We can do that for the last 15 seconds. But seriously, they have to be in the tournament. They can't show up after the, ter- the champions are crowned. No, they can't say surprise. I would like them back, preferably tomorrow, but we'll see. Yeah, I'm with you on that. All righty, and we move on now to the main event of Monday Night Raw. It is the Usos defending their undisputed tag team titles against the Mysterios. And you know what? The match was good for what it was. Dominic was bitched out once again by the Usos. <laughs> Let's not even pretend what happened. He had a good showing. He struggled on the top rope a bit, going for a move that did not land properly. Jay gets the hot tag, and that one D lays out Dominic for the win. And after the match is over, we have Judgment Day coming out. And my personal highlight was Rhea Ripley beating up Dominic again. And I still have a dream that Rhea is going to make Dominic her sub. He would join Judgment Day as Rhea's bitch and he will be locked down in chains and a whip. My dream is going to happen. I mean, listen, you get beat down this much. At some point, you love the pain and you're turned on. So Edge comes out to make the save for Ray. And another highlight was Rhea is so problematic in the best possible way that she legit shoves Dominic into the spear and her glee, her satisfaction of making this man's life a living hell gives me joy. And I cannot wait until Dominic defects from his father says, bye, dad. I love Rhea. I love the pain she inflicts upon me to elevate Judgment Day. And he needs this to project some semblance of a personality. And I'm glad the WWE didn't tease for a week. Oh, my God, did Edge know he speared Dominic? Oh, my God, did Ray see this? He realized it's an accident. He saw it on a big screen. It's a misunderstanding. But Dominic will see the light and realize he's meant to be Rhea's sub. And I'll be very happy about that. Welcome to Fifty Shades of Rhea. Um, so, you know, I, my first thought when I saw this, and I mentioned this to Keela off air, um, you know, Buddy Murphy, uh, he's, uh, first of all, he's going to have words with Dominic, you know, and then secondly, he's going to have words with Rhea and tell her, listen, anything that's not going on here at home, a daggone sure don't need to be happening in the ring. And you already know I got beef with Dom anyway. You know, we didn't get along since we had that problem with the Uno cards, you know, during one of the uh, family reunions. You know, he cheated. I know he cheated. You know, so there's all kinds of, there's all kinds of inner turmoil here. And let's keep it 100. Edge could have stopped himself from that spear. He was also upset because he's like, I ain't really ain't never did that to me. I was in the group. She ain't never did that to me. 
And then that's going to be the catalyst for when Beth Phoenix comes back. Listen, it's after hours anyway. That happened after hours. <laughs> it's all bets are off. We about to go TV 14 anyway. I mean, Drew McIntyre calls Roman Reigns the queef. <laughs> so, I mean, what in the world? What is off limits anyway? So, yeah, who this is going to turn into a, uh, Keel, this is for you, a, a general hospital type of storyline <laughs> that is just going to set the world on fire. Playing to my heart because I'm a G8 stan. For those of you that don't know, I am. I think Scott sees my tweets sometimes. He knows. So, yeah, I do. I, I see him, and I, I appreciate it, man. I I don't mind a good story every now and then because they once the, once if you watch five minutes, you're hooked. They they get you for the show. So it is true. Um, I did laugh at someone that provides like a live tweet thread of a novice fan watching pay-per-views by WWE. I cracked up when she called Judgment Day the cast of Blade. I died. So it's not bad though. It's, it's not- honestly, I could honestly see them being sliced up by Wesley Snipes. <laughs> I see it too. I, I I do love the coven aspect of what this could be without the supernatural bullshit. But if we're going after dark, after hours, after 10 o'clock, you want to go there, WWE. Here is the material right there. Rhea after dark. I will say this, though, in all seriousness, I do appreciate that Rhea seems to be the catalyst of this group, seems to be, um, you know, the engine of this group is the centerpiece of this group. I think that is the way to go with this group going forward. And that doesn't mean that Finn or, or Damien can't have their time to shine as singles, but I like that Rhea is kind of the centerpiece of this entire thing. Like she, she stands out the most. She's the star of this group right now. When she came back two weeks ago, my eyes locked in on her. She elevates them in every way. She just brings like this big energy of being a force. And she's front and center every single time. My eyes are locked to her. She's got presence. She's meant to really be a leader of a faction. And I'm glad that all eyes on her for this because she is truly the standout in Judgment Day. As we segue to NXT 2.0 very quickly as we now have new NXT Women's Tag Team Champions in the form of Katana Chance and Caden Carter as I like to call them Casey and Jojo. Scott started this a long time ago and they finally won the big one but I think during our pre-production meeting he's not very happy about this outcome. Man I know I know for all their life they've been waiting on a moment like this and um, you know I, I know it's, it's, it's dry, it was driving them crazy that they, they never had a moment like you know but this match, first of all, this match was not good. I, I did not think, I thought the best part of the match was, and I, I'm so sorry, I cannot remember their names. It was the first team that was eliminated. I thought they were easily the standout and the best part of this match. Uh, Yulisa and, um, man, I'm going to have to look up their names. But yeah, I, I thought that first tag team that was eliminated, they were the standout. I, I enjoyed them the most. And Casey and JoJo, man, I just, I don't know, man. I, they just don't do it for me. And them as champs, uh, I, why, just put the belts back on Toxic Attraction. I mean, that, I, I have no idea why you'd put the belts on them. I, this, this is baffling to me. You know, I would have loved this at In Your House two months ago. But we went with this, are they going to turn heel because they're so bitter about not winning the championships? But then 
people left the company and you're trying to pivot. So I feel like it's a great victory for them. But I feel as you do, I feel empty as if this should have meant more at In Your House. It should have meant more at the Great American Bash before the pivoting of them being possible heels. And now they're back to being baby faces, which is good, but it makes this win so hollow. I don't feel as much joy as it would have helped as I would have felt a couple of months ago. And the match was fine for what it was. I still have high hopes for Ulisa Leon and Valentina Feroz. They That's need more reps, obviously, but that is a tag team to watch out for in the next couple of years because I think they can be a standout on the main roster. But I'm just glad it wasn't toxic attraction because i could not take a three-time rain from them that never amounts to much at the end of the day no i I think you hit it on the head i I think really it was that they've had these kind of built up opportunities where where the moment was kind of built up where you kind of saw the story and they kind of earned their way to the victory and again i just (laughs) man when Casey and JoJo are your best option to go with as your tag champions, I, I think you have a major lack of depth in your women's division that you need to really address and kind of solidify. And that's the only reason I say go back to Toxic Attraction is because at least it's somebody established. I, I just don't buy Casey and JoJo, man. I, you know, they, it's not like they've been getting dominant wins and been established as this dominant team. They lose matches all the time. Yeah, and it's never a good look. And they were turning heel because they lost all of their right. matches. And look where we are right now. They're the champs. They're hoping they're rehabbed via this, these championships real soon. But uh, I don't know. I don't have high hopes. But I just feel like this would have meant more in June versus August due to the booking of it all. As we move on to the Creed Brothers versus Tony D'Angelo and Stax for the NXT Tag Team Championship. I thought this was a solid match. I was horrified for my boy Julius who took that release suplex from Tony D. He wasn't ready. And I think in that moment, Julius realized how others felt when he drops them in a very reckless way. He's trying to be safe, but now you know how it feels a little bit. But he bounced back, made a great comeback with some great suplexes, paid Tony D back accordingly as well. But the big story was the return of Santos Escobar as he had the crowbar for Tony D, knocks him out with the brass knucks, and Julius picks up the win for his team to retain those tag team titles. So I like the match. I love the fallout and the final accord between Tony D and Santos is going down this Tuesday. I don't know what it means. Hopefully the final accord represents that Santos and the rest of Legato are moving on up to the main roster because it's long, long overdue. We need more tag teams and another faction to come for the bloodline. Oh, wow. Um, You think they're ready for the bloodline? They've been long overdue for the bloodline. I need a faction warfare feud. I need the Hurt Business 2.0. I need Legato. I need the bloodline. I need a reunited Imperium, damn it. I need it all on these shows imminently. I'm all for them being caught up because I do think there is money in that group, in that faction, uh, especially with Triple H at the helm. I think there's much more of an opportunity for Santos Escobar, who I think has shown a lot of personality in this uh, feud with Tony D that he hadn't really gotten the chance to show because he's a baby face now. You know, and so I I think there's a lot more opportunity for him on the main roster. Him versus Roman, though, I think that's going to take some. Uh, that's going to take some work. I mean, 
I'm not opposed to it because you're right. They they need something fresh, and I think he would be able to create that movement for Roman and really just give him a different type of matchup. And also, uh, Legato, you know that that group versus the Usos, as a six man tag and a singles. There's a lot of matchups that would be really fun there too. So yeah, that would be interesting. Also, I wouldn't mind seeing Electra toss around Paul Heyman while we're at it. <laughs> Paul be in heaven if that happens. Like Brock can fuck me up, but Electra can make me feel so much better. I would love to be tossed around by her. That would be that would be his thought process on the whole situation. But as you mentioned, it's going to be kind of a hard sell for Santos and Roman. But let's think about this. These are two people at the head of their respective families. Mm. It's a Don talking to a Don, a tribal chief talking to possibly another tribal chief. And I love that power dynamic of two guys, Mano Romano, going at it and trying to assert their power as champion in WWE. And I kind of love the mobster storyline because it does give Santos an extra level of power to say, I got something for Roman Reigns. I can match him power for power. I've got my people. He's got his people. Let's go. No, that's a good story. And to be honest with you, you could even make his group, you know, larger. You could add Angel Garza and Humberto to that group. Mm-hmm. And I think that would fit real seamless with them. Um, and, you, you know, you you make the numbers game. Now you kind of have the numbers game on a Roman and you can have them as a heel group if you wanted to turn a baby fist. Yeah, I, I'm with you. Now, there's absolutely a story there. And I will say this. I think Tony D has gotten a lot just kind of working beside and working with Santos Escobar. He just seems so comfortable in the ring nowadays. You mentioned that suplex, and I I, I don't know who that's on. I've never been in the ring. So, but that, that spot aside, I thought Tony D in particular looked really good in this match. I agree. I love what he did with um, Julius last week, too, with the amateur background they both have. And I love their grappling the week before. It was missing with that suplex spot, but they got it back on track towards the end. So I think he's improved by leaps and bounds, been doing this less than a year. And I think he's done less than 30 matches in a year, which is crazy. And he's only going to get better with more time in the ring. And he's shown that via his fuse against P. Dunn, which I think has been his best work to date. But character wise, I think he's done a great job with Santos as of late to really bring out his personality and bring that out in the ring as well. Yeah, I'm with you. I, I think whatever this final thing is, it's going to be a big kind of send off for Santos and a big moment for, for Tony D. Another big moment for Tony D. Agreed. Will Santos swim with the fishes on Tuesday and debut on Friday? We don't know. We shall see on NXT 2 Porno as we get to the main event of Von Wagner versus Soto Sequoia in a street fight. Or no, I take that back. A Falls County Anywhere match that went to the streets at one point. And, you know, I was looking at Solo. He says he's a street fighter. And Von Wagner whooped his ass for like the first 10 minutes of this match. It was so lopsided. But I got to say this for Von Wagner. I thought this was his best match. I thought he brought great aggression. I thought his offense looked pretty good. My only issue is the face. And he's got a moat a bit more. And it comes with confidence and believing in himself that he can do this. And if he gains the confidence and more experience, dare I say, there's hope for him on the main roster as possibly being Mrs. Heavy down the road. Solo, he's ready for the main roster. He's going to be the next member of the bloodline with his brothers, the Uses, the Usos, Uses, 
all up more so than Sami Zayn at this point. But I love the parking lot element of this match with Solo shoving Carmelo in the car with the honeys in the background and Trick not knowing what to do. Then we have a dumpster spot with Solo going in the trash can for a bit, pops back up, Cam and Cam and Grimes catches a stray heading back to the building and then Solo gets put through a table by Von Wagner but then ultimately Von gets put through the announce table with a splash courtesy of Solo to get the win and I thought the main event was very good it got two guys over and I thought this was by far Von Wagner's greatest performance as a wrestler on NXT 2.0 the story of this match was not good I I thought like because you you brought it up right off the bat. Solo is the street fighter. So when it comes to them fighting, having a brawl, everything backstage, that's where he should have been dominant. That's where he should have been in his element. When they were in the streets in the parking lot, there's no way he gets thrown in a dumpster and it get closed on him. What? I mean, how do you do that to somebody you're trying to build up as a serious baby face? What baby face am I going to take serious that gets shoved in a dumpster and let the dumpster get closed on him? And it wasn't like he got closed and he got right back up. It got closed. Vaughn walked away. And this dude opens the dumpster like he's raising up from hell. Like he, like he fought his way back from hell. Like, you're not Constantine rising up for the save nobody. You came out the dumpster, bruh. What's, what's the dumpster? What's the Sesame Street dumpster name? Uh, dumpster character name. What's the Oscar? dumpster diver? Yeah, that's what he... That was Oscar. He pulled an Oscar. Well, I'm not impressed with you. My son watches Oscar do that every day. You're not impressive. And you're supposed to be the street fighter. But then when we go back in the wrestling part of it, he starts dominating. That's where Vaughn should have dominated. That's the story of the match. Because then, after they go, they do the wrestling, then they go to the street where Solo is, you know, is doing his thing, is beating him down. Then it's like, look at what Solo's doing on the outside, because that's where the brawl is. So then it kind of makes the story make sense. The story of the match just did not make sense. It was just a bunch of spots, a bunch of things happening. Just the, And then... They laid out Carmelo and Trick all of a sudden being nice guys and jump in a car. Where's their car at? How they jump in a car and Carmelo got in the driver's seat, but they ain't got no car. Trick asking for jumper cables, but they ain't got no car. <laughs> this was not a good episode of 2.0. Because I'm not even going to get to Jackoff Jensen's match later that happened earlier in the show. So I'm not even going to get to that. This was not a good episode. I agree. The match with the match itself was fine, but the story and everything around it was not good. I have to agree with you. I thought NXT was pretty solid this week. I did not hate the show. It was good for what it was. But Brooks Jensen's Daisy Duke shorts. God dang. Um, listen, I know you're trying to get some somewhere. Um, plenty of fish. Maybe it's out mm-hmm. there for you as a- <laughs> <laughs> I I thought you were gonna say there are plenty of fish in the sea. <laughs> you were like, nah, there ain't plenty of fish in the sea for you, but there is the app. <laughs> you know, Tinder, swipe, you know, you can swipe left, you know, do something. Farmers but, only. In there are farmers far, far, only. Yes, farmersonly.com. Come on. Christian Meagle, if you love the Lord, if you want to find a Christian girl, a church girl, you know, if you listen to Beyonce's new album, you can find one of those that can drop a like a thoughty. But you know, he just needs to 
<laughs> he needs to stop using his right hand and start getting some action. And uh, hopefully the dating apps help him facilitate that in the near future. Let me tell you, I, first of all, great Beyonce drop right there. <laughs> that, was, <laughs> that, was, that was spot on, by the way, as well. Um, yeah, I, you know... I, I don't know, man. They're they're starting. Their belts are starting to just like what's what's the deal with with promotions just having belts, just just having random sets of belts everywhere. So now the UK belts are just all over NXT. For yes, no and I'm reason. horrified. I'm embarrassed. These belts are on these guys. So like I feel sorry for the UK. We apologize. We brought these beautiful, gorgeous belts down to just Pretty. a level of mediocrity. Pretty Deadly, Familia, uh, Tyler Bate, Trent Seven, Jackoff Jensen, and Josh Briggs. Mustache Mountain. <sighs> Love it. Just look where we are now, but we're going to let this go as we move on to Friday Night Smackdown very quickly. As we talk about Liv Morgan getting the boober treatment in South Carolina, and I'm not going to blame the fans for this because we talked about this on our show last weekend and that I did not like the finish. You did not you did not like the finish either of her tapping out before scoring the pinfall on Ronda Rousey. And you expect fans to call you out on your shit and they did and she really couldn't take it and the promo kind of went south and Kayla's Braxton's face said it all and I felt for everybody in the segment. I don't want to say it's a shrin yet because we got to go city to city this week to see where we are in North Carolina this week to see if the reactions are better or worse for Liv. But this is just bad booking that drives these bad reactions. Because I go back to five years ago with Bailey, separated show to legit. She gets booed in Canada, Canada. And Bailey has tweeted she's got something for Toronto in a, in a couple of weeks. But I don't want that for Liv to figure things out three years later as to who she is as a performer. But the booking, it just did not help her. And the recovery of that promo was not there because it was just rough and it comes down to bad creative rare misstep by Paul Levesque having that finished the way it was at SummerSlam on Saturday nearly two weeks ago now yeah the finish was awful you know we we, we definitely touched on that and you know we we talked about how the a baby face first of all shouldn't shouldn't be tapping anyway but that kind of leads me to think because in her promo I'm thinking she's just blatantly lying. Like, to me, that comes off as her just blatantly lying, where she said she thought the referee had counted the three, and that's why she tapped. You don't tap. Like, a, a baby face does not tap. What a baby face says there, or what a, a baby face does, is they don't tap, they pass out, or they let, the, they let them snap that arm, and that's what they say in the promo when she comes out in the sling. I, would, I mean, you come out in a sling and you tapped out. You tap down and you're coming out in a sling. Now, if she doesn't tap out, that sling works perfect. Because then she said, "Look at this is what I this is what Ronda did to me, and I still didn't tap out. I'm still standing here, your women's champion. You don't get those boobers now, fans. Fans, this happens. Like it's happened to Daniel Bryan, it's happened to Kofi Kingston. We've heard them try to do it to Bianca Belair, but that got shut down real quick. Like this, this happens." Sometimes fans are, are all on board until they get to the big moment. And, and sometimes WWE does a, a decent job of creating the atmosphere for that big moment, but they don't do a good job of the story after the moment. They don't do a good job of the story after the crowning achievement. And 
So there's, I think there's, there's, there's both sides to it, but I would not be surprised if Liv Morgan is planning seeds for a full blown heel turn. And I think she'd be really good at it. She seems like she could be a great little snob just off of that little segment right there. And I, I just, the wording of what she said, I knew the referee accounted the three and that's why I tapped out. A baby face just doesn't tap out. And that's kind of what stuck out to me during her promo. Yeah, she was totally lying. And Michael Cole said, she's lying, y'all. That's not what happened. And it could be planting seeds for a hill turn. I think that's what she needs. Because you know what? We're happy for her that she's a champion. She's worked hard. But what is your character? And I'm not blaming her completely for that. Because for years, she had a tag team with Ruby Riot that was broken up time and time again. And she was off television, even though she was healthy to compete. So she hasn't had opportunities to truly flesh out her personality on screen and to really tap into who she is on the microphone now there's more lean there's more leniency and there's more freedom to express yourself and i think being a heel as you mentioned could be a way to find out what she's got as a character something that she would have to do on a regular basis and she's not going to get iced out thankfully because she's built that equity with the fans now if she produces great heel work then when you flip her she'll be a complete performer but i do want to see her push herself a bit more and a heel turn i think would do that because as you said i think she'll be a great snobby bitch I think she'll rub it in the fans' faces and she'll do anything to win and I need that from her you just need something else besides I love it I love this more I adore this more I need a bit extra from Liv in terms of an edge and a heel turn could do that for her well I think that's that to me at least that's just the shelf life of the underdog babyface getting their crowning achievement I I just, you know, there there is a shelf life for that character. You know, when you when you taught you brought up Bailey the hugger, you know, the underdog Bailey, there was a shelf life for that. And they told that story the right way. There was a really good progression of Bailey becoming the confident champion. That was a natural progression right there. That's how you tell that story, you know, because you can't she can't just be the underdog. But you also have to show the improvement. You also have to start dominating your opponents. You have to start, you know, really kind of being in command of the matches and 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 really leading the way. And it doesn't look like you're fluke winning. You know, that was a big problem. And a lot of the, the reigns I'm bringing up are ones that were the fans kind of turned on them. Rey Mysterio, when he won the title from Eddie for you know for Eddie Guerrero, when he had when he won the Rumble, won the title of WrestleMania 22, he was getting booed. At WrestleMania 22, winning the title in the triple threat with Kurt Angle and Randy Orton. And he would have to work every match to keep the fans on his side because there's only so much you can do with the underdog champion when you don't have a story for them. You know, Liv doesn't let I me, mean, what is, like you said, what is, what is Liv right now? She doesn't have something to fight for, to strive for. She didn't have that goal to get to. That's what she's missing right now. And hopefully Shayna snaps, you know, go ahead and finish the job and snaps that arm. Then you have Liv having something to go for. Either, you know, she has something to regain the title or she's kind of like, you know, and and you, you guys turned on me when I was hurt. You know, then she has something that she can get behind. But she just doesn't have that right now as a champion. And that's a problem with WWE, especially booking their underdog babyface champions. 
As I always say, they can build you up for a great moment, but we don't live by moments. We live for them for a moment or two, but now it's time to tell the story, the why, and the importance of having a great champion, great opponents, a great storyline for it all to match. It's all about what's next. I love a great moment. It makes me happy for 15 minutes, but what's next? And hopefully Liv will figure that out alongside Paul Levesque and his creative team because you can't have Liv as a paper champion that's going to be lying openly on the microphone again called out by Michael Cole on commentary. That's not going to work long term. As we move on to Sami Zayn and the bloodline and Jey Uso morphing into the tribal chief because he was no selling Sami all night long, giving him the stank eye. He was going to just beat his ass at one point. Jimmy was being very even killed. Like, hey, Sammy, we're going to text you when to come see Roman. Don't you worry about it. And then Jay snaps. He's done with the bullshit. Don't worry about our entrance. Don't worry about the pyro and the fireworks and the entrance music and how we come out. What you need to worry about is pulling your own weight. We got these belts. Roman got his. We got ours. What about you? And Sammy was shook by this. And hopefully our prophecy is going to come true, Scott, that one day, very, very soon, it will be Kevin Owens and Sammy Zayn reuniting as best friends to dethrone the Usos as undisputed tag team champions. They threw this nugget at us a couple of months ago via that KO show segment involving KO and Sammy. All I ask for WWE is to remember. And now we have people that can remember this shit, go back to it and flesh out the story and give us what we want. Yeah, I, I think you hit everything right there. Uh, you know, the, whenever Kevin Owens does return, when the Usos decide to start whooping up Sami Zayn for whatever he ends up doing wrong or just for pissing Jay Uso off, it's going to be monstrous. And, you know, they don't really have another team that could realistically, believably beat the bloodline unless you like bring AOP back and just send them on a rampage through everybody. But Kevin Owens and Sami Zayn as tag champions, just that's a lot of fun. Them both, you know, Sami Zayn back as a baby face. Cause let me tell you, if you ever see Sami Zayn show up with that fresh cut, <laughs> you know what's coming. You know baby face Sami Zayn is coming and there is going to be a face turn on the way. So that's going to be the first sign. Whenever you see him get that fresh cut, you know good things are on the way. Yes, and fresh cut Sammy hits differently. Cheddar biscuits is all I got to say about that. So if he comes back with short hair, I'd be very happy about that. Oh, yeah, he get cheddar be- short hair Sammy get cheddar biscuits? He- yes. With Giovanni and Ludwig? <laughs> yes. Really? Yes. Wow. <laughs> I did not see him being in that mix. Yes. I love OG babyface and XD Sammy Zane. If he gets okay. a cut and the trim, he's got Cheddar Biscuits coming his way. Ludwig, I got I got Julius on lockdown, Madcap. Have a nice, nice Cheddar Biscuit dinner. And Sammy Zane. Sammy Zane, yes. <laughs> you, so you got you got the models and Sammy Zane. Yes. The photographer. Yeah. You need somebody <laughs> to take the pictures, right? <laughs> Somebody got to tape this. That's what Drake always be saying. Max Dupree can take the picture. He's not doing nothing. He's good. He's I would have bought. It. I would have bought him over Sami Zayn being in that mix. But you know, I, hey, let me tell you though. I guess I get there is something to that because he did have a lot of love from the women. He did. He did. You heard he did. it. Full set went for that man. No lie. So, you know, so Mansoor could actually sit at that table as well. But I'm gonna leave that alone. He'll provide good comedy at that table. 
Oh, man. As we segue to, see, Cheddar Biscuits find a way on this show every week. It never fails. It's Cheddar Biscuits and Redheads. Yes. <laughs> a combination that works for some reason. But, hey, it fits in that situation. As we move on to the end of the show, and Scott teased it by uh, Drew McIntyre calling Roman Reigns on a live microphone, the tribal queef. Ugh. And I thought, did we go to Pornhub? Brothers? <laughs> what happened? The cue was in real time, and I cannot believe he said those words. So Roman's talking about beating everybody at SummerSlam and all the pay-per-views in the last 700-plus days, still the champ. And then, as Drew asked the fans, do you want me to kick this man's ass right now? They chant yes. And then we cut to black and white. And I hear some familiar music. I see Scarlet way up on the ramp. And then we see Karrion Cross with hair attack Drew McIntyre whoop his ass and we have Scarlett looking just as gorgeous as ever with the hourglass she flips it upside down and like sands to the hourglass so are the days of Roman Reigns' title reign as Universal Champion apparently going down the glass and I thought that was a very clever way to end Smackdown welcome back Karrion Cross and Scarlett and I go back to what I said last year on one of my podcast shows in that I thought WWE could never fuck up Karrion Cross on the main roster. And sure enough, they did on day damn one. And I knew then Vince had to go even before the scandals broke out. How do you mess up a presentation that is a slam dunk? Thankfully, we got the proper introduction via the return of Cross and Scarlett. And I hope it works out. Cross got cooked by Adam Cole and Johnny Gargano on the mic at various points. Last summer, got choked out by Samoa Joe when he lost the NXT title. And I'm hoping these are lessons learned and he can apply that to the microphone because we know deep down that Roman Reigns and Drew McIntyre, they got smoke for you on the microphone. They will make you remember what shrank you on NXT. Now you with the big dogs now. Now you're in the main roster and you got to stand out and thankfully there's no gladiator helmet to be found to drag this down even more but he's got to step up and this is a big test for triple h as well this is your guy you roll with him during a pandemic and i knew it was hard because nobody was there at the time and you really can't gouge his success here's your shot to get it right here's his shot as carrying cross to get it right scarlet She's a no-brainer. She's got presence for days. It's what, it's what Karrion can do to be a player on SmackDown against the likes of Roman and Drew moving forward. I'm only okay with having Cross because they bring Scarlet back. You know, if that's, if that's what it's going to take to have Scarlet back on my TV, that's fine. I need her in color, though. I don't need her in black and white. She's already going to be black and white because she's going to be wearing black. So there's your black and white right there. You don't have to turn the color. You ain't got to turn it. You ain't got to do all that. Now, this is where I'm probably in the minority here. I'm, I'm not, I'm not looking forward to crossing the main event. And I don't know how I feel about this guy of all people, you know, just being interjected back at the top like that. I, and why does why do we need another story going into the clash? Is Roman going to defend one title against each person at the clash? Is that going to be how we get Roman losing a title? You know, there's, I, you know, I, I don't know, man. I'm not sold on this particular segment or Carrying Cross in general. I think he'll be. I see Carrying Cross being a lot like a lesser version of Umaga, 
because I thought Umaga could have been a lot more. I don't think Cross. I think he his peak is what Umaga was a good monster to have right below the the modern day Kane. The good monster to have. I God dang it! I gotta stop bringing Glenn up on this show. I, I said I was gonna do that, and I I keep bringing him up just because he fits the example. But he that's what he was. Though Kane would lose to every single main event guy when it mattered. But he would, you know, beat all the the regular mid carters, and he would just consistently keep kind of this rage about him. That's all I see Cross says. And good lord, I pray he's not the one to pin Roman Reigns after nine hundred days. I mean, I, I think this is my opinion. I think it would be crazy to have Cross be the guy to beat Roman Reigns in any type of capacity. I hope it doesn't happen either. I hope this is just a message sender. I'm here to let y'all know I got next. I don't need a triple threat match. I don't need a a sneaky way to get a title off of Roman. I need Drew McIntyre in Cardiff Wells, his home country almost, to win the big one in front of 60,000 fans. He never got that at WrestleMania two years ago in front of nobody at the PC. Did not get that last year at Tampa Bay, surprisingly enough, even though it was Bobby's moment in time to be champion. He has got to win in Cardiff. There is no other answer. You waited this long for this pay-per-view, for this match. If Karrion's got next at the show in Saudi Arabia in October, Extreme Rules before then, fine. Do what you need to do, but let him be the message sender as I got next eventually. Cool. I don't need you in this match. I don't need you diluting this. The only reason I'm not going to ding him right now is that the dude was sabotaged from Jump Street. The man lost Jeff Hardy on his debut wearing a goddamn helmet. So I need to see what the vision is through Paul of Excise. Do you see a guy that can be your main eventer, a guy that can really take things to the next level. I hope it happens. I I owe him that as a fan to say, here's your second chance to impress me. If you don't, then we need to just kill it right now. We don't need to prolong this because you get a grace period. Pandemic, nobody's there. You get sabotaged in the main roster by an old man. I get it. Here's your shot to prove me wrong. But the way to do that is not by winning that championship next month in Cardiff. It cannot happen right now. I, I think I will flip on this show and that would not be pretty. I'm gonna be honest. If the titles do get split and it goes to anybody but Seth Rollins, I, I think it's a, a complete just uh, you know I think that's just a, a huge just a bad decision. And honestly, I, nobody should be pinning Roman Reigns except Cody. I I think that's the moment. That's what that's what you are building towards. Is you don't want Roman to have to take two losses because if you know if somebody pins him between now and WrestleMania. When Cody beats him, it doesn't mean as much, you know, unless he's going to start defending both titles. Like if he has a couple defenses where he's defending both titles on a pay-per-view or in a PLE and he does that a couple times, that's different. Now, now I'm a little more intrigued by that because there's a lot more intrigue because it's like, okay, you could lose either one. And I would always put the universal title match on because I don't, that's the one I don't expect him to lose. But that WWE title, you put that one on last. Now you create some intrigue, him going on twice. I now you might be running your, you might run the risk of, of, of overexposure, but I just don't see how you can keep me intrigued with him or how you can separate the titles unless he starts defending them individually. Agreed. And the Cody question, 
I think about the Warrior Rumble. Will he win? I think he will. And we still got that fourth match against Seth Rollins at some point. Will Seth be a champion by then? It's a possibility. Will we get Rock versus Roman? We got to think about that, too. There's so many things to consider heading into next year's WrestleMania. And now with Triple H in charge, we have so many things in flex regarding people getting the call back and getting pushed and possibly being in line for a championship. So I hope that we don't lose sight of Cody getting his win either against Roman and or Seth at next year's WrestleMania. Either scenario works for me because there's still heat with Seth that I love and it's rare to go back to a match a fourth time and deliver. But knowing what they did three times before, I don't doubt they can do it again. Now, I will say this, though. I think there, there for me, I think there is a bit of intrigue in a Cody-Drew match. If you go ahead and pull the trigger on, Co- on Drew McIntyre beating Roman Reigns for those titles... Drew McIntyre has been one of those guys that has been built up. I don't think he anyone has beaten him ex- over the last year except for what you know Lashley, Roman and Miz on a cash in. I I could be wrong about that, but I think that's it as far as pinning Drew McIntyre. So it's not like he's someone who has who's taken losses like a Rollins has. I think there would be a good intrigue there, especially if you continue to build him up and you give him that same respect as champion, as your top guy, as you did Roman. Because then you, Roman, whoever Roman goes against is going to be elevated. And you, you, I mean, if he loses the title, you have to think it's got to be Rock because who else do you bring him back against? Unless Stone Cold's like, hey man, I'll take another $8 million to come back for another one night to do what I did last year because that was great. You know, unless you get something like that, then, you know, hell yeah, you take the belt off and you let's do Roman and Stone Cold. I mean, what the hell not? But if you're not doing Roman Rock, I, I, I just think you keep the belt on him unless you, you know, Unless you do pull some loophole and Drew pins him in Cardiff and he only wins the WWE title, which I think would be silly. But if you have to get a title off him and you want one back on Raw, that's the way to do it. Paul Heyman actually pulls some strings and pulls a loophole. But he, I just, I don't like the, the idea of Roman being pinned by anybody except for whoever you want to take that universal title off of him. Agreed. And that makes the most sense. And there are a lot of scenarios to play into. And the good thing about Triple H being in charge is that you're not going to be playing it by ear heading into January. Because I think by then, I think you have an idea as to exactly what he wants to do at WrestleMania. There'll be a card in place. Remember the days when Vince was having station mind and he had a plan laid out months in advance for WrestleMania. We ain't had that the last few years. I think we have a, a firm plan and an idea for WrestleMania by December. Yeah, and, I, and and you know, just even if it's just a, a tentative plan of what your top matches are, you it's you know we talked about on this show how for so long they've booked matches and created a story from that instead of creating a story for the match, they create a story from the match. I think now we're going to start seeing that you know the right way, the right process of doing things, and you know I I, I mentioned that I'm you know not fully on board with the Triple H vision as far as who may get put on top, but. If you're telling a good and coherent story that is not, you know, taking, you know, these crazy turns to get back on the same track, then, you know, I'm, I'm going to be more willing to give it an opportunity than when you start doing ridiculous things, even if the people you're, you're, you're putting at the forefront aren't exactly who I would have put at the forefront. But then again, I didn't win Booker of the Year, so what do I know? <laughs> well, it's not too late. There's still time for you. 
Listen, I, I, if he ever wants to run that, uh, that, 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 uh, he's got two tag teams, by the way, in Judgment Day. He's got Damien mm-hmm. and the Priest, and he's got Finn and the Demon. So, listen, <laughs> whenever he wants to do that and have an eight man tag, I got ideas. You oh know, I got God. ideas. No, listen. If we are shut down with monkeypox problems, <laughs> maybe we can do it. If we're going to lock it down, Joe, we're going to lock it down again with monkeypox going crazy. Maybe your idea will come to life in a Thunderdome 3.0, but it ain't happening anytime soon. Halloween hat. Hey, they're going to take a visit to NXT 2.0 and go see your boy Joe Gacy. Halloween oh, no. Havoc. <laughs> Hell no. No, 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 no. We ain't doing that. We're not doing that. But I'm sure Finn is thrilled The Triple H is in charge because he could be NXT Finn. Oh, thank God. I think he brought Damian back the too. tights. Yes, Damien's thrilled too. Finn could bring back the tights, talk like he's a part of NXT from years ago, and he can be himself. So I'm, I'm sure they're thrilled they can be themselves again. You know, I, I do think we should have a, a, a conversation one day, uh, um, you know, one of our shows about, you know, who who are is going or not who is, but who are, but who is going to benefit, you know, like what guys and girls are really going to benefit and who is going to take kind of that downward spiral. Because I, I think that's a very interesting conversation when you really start talking about guys, because even guys that we talk like a Chad Gable, that's a guy I would keep an eye on, you know, just people like that. So I, I think it's very interesting. We saw it like Shayna Baszler. It's just an interesting conversation with Triple H now at the helm. And I think we'll have that conversation next week. I'm loving it. I have ideas of my own we can dive into for the majority of the episode. Another special edition of The Wrap coming your way next week. I love the brainstorming idea. Before we go, I do want to acknowledge very quickly Ricochet versus Happy Corbin. Great match on SmackDown. Uh, Pat McAfee was hilarious, the telestrator as he reenacted how he kicked Happy Corbin in the balls, Ricochet balled out. Another guy that's going to benefit from Triple H being in charge because Triple H loved that guy on NXT and he's going to get that renewed push on the main roster. I thought Corbin had one of his better performances in the ring as well. And dare I say, he might be back to his losing ways and could be going broke. And I need that for broke-ass Corbin because you know what? That's another guy. Cheddar Biscuits on Up, Up, Down, Down Only. That's another guy that is so charismatic on one universe, but on this one, very bland. But with the Triple H boost, I do sense better things for Corbin moving forward. Again, I'm 100% buying the ball tatted up guy over the redhead. I- I'm still just shocked by saying Sammy Zane is still just shocking to me that he is at this table having cheddar biscuits with all these guys. I, I, am-, I am still <laughs> shocked. That he's eating there and not serving the cheddar biscuits. Oh, my God. <laughs> You're right. That was now, a bit much. That was a bit much shade right there. You're right. That was like that was like me having an umbrella on a sunny day for him. Like, you're right. That was way too much shade right there. Dude, that was a thunderstorm of shade. You were cruel. <laughs> now, Happy Corbin, if he was, a, you know, in his former life, he could be serving the biscuits. But now he's at the table. I, I love this table, by the way. I, I'll come serve the biscuits because I want to see who else is at this table. It's many people at this table. I will reveal more names next week <laughs> oh. as to see who's at this table. Uh, it's a lot of people that I, I admire a lot, and they all deserve cheddar biscuits and a side. And with that, we got to give out our match of the week, the best damn match in WWE. And for the first time in a few weeks, we got some contenders. So Scott, what is your pick for best match from WWE television this week? 
I know I said that EO Bianca didn't need a finish, but if it had a finish, it would have clear in a way been uh, my match of the week. But I'm going to go with Champa and AJ because I like the dy- again, love the dynamic of Champa and the Miz. And I like how the Miz cheated, the heels cheated, and outnumbered the babyface to get the win. Little things like that add so much to a match. So uh, Champa and AJ gets my match of the week. My match of the week goes to, even though it did not have a finish, I will pick Bianca Belair versus Io Sky. They woke up a very sleepy Houston crowd. They were energized for this matchup, and both ladies brought it, and Bianca Belair continues to deliver something new and fresh and exciting in the ring. And Io Sky, I'm so happy for her that now she's on the main roster at long last, getting to show the world how great she is on a grander stage. Loved I mean, the match was fantastic, and I, I really hope that they run that back. And I hope they, that, you know, it's for a title shot. I think there is definitely a story of Bailey scouting Bianca, you know, and kind of sending her minions to go, you know, let's, let me see what she got. And, you know, so I, I hope that they do run it back because there, there should be a finish. Bianca should go over EO Sky whenever they have their rematch, but I hope it's for the title. Agreed. And with that, this wraps up this week's episode of The Wrap right here on the Fight Game Media Network. I hope that you enjoyed it. I want to thank Scott for always joining me every single week to chop it up with all things WWE as we reinvent the wheel with this promotion and these shows once again, which is exciting times for WWE. Yeah, this was a this was a good week. I'm excited to see what comes forward. And you know, there's a lot of optimism, which is something that you can't say about WWE a lot in the past. So Good. Hopefully good things are on the horizon. Same here. And we got a bit concept show coming your way next week. Thanks to Scott's great idea. A very deep dive discussion on the future of WWE through Paul of eyes in terms of who he sees as stars, who he might give the call to, to bring back to WWE. And some people on the roster that might get a renewed push as well. So a bit conversation along with all things Raw, SmackDown, and NXT coming your way next week right here on the Fight Game Media Network. For myself and for Softy Scott Young, that's a wrap on all things WWE.